there is no doubt that words stick with us. That words, certain phrases, certain words capture our mind. How many times do you quote movies in a week? How many times when you're hanging out with your friends do you drop one-liners from your favorite movie at some point when the situation arises or TV show? And if I had written some down, I would quote them and have you finish them. But I know one because it's one of mine. May the force... See what I mean? But I mean, or if I were to do campaign slogans for TV, mine would probably be too old for you to know them. Coke is still the real thing, that kind of thing. How old is that one? Um, But when somebody, this stuff sinks into our head and we know it, what about song lyrics? You just thought of a song as soon as I said that. Because it sticks in your mind. And you have a favorite song. And you walk around, you catch yourself singing your favorite song. Or worse, somebody catches you singing in your car when they're sitting next to you at a stoplight and they laugh at you. (laughs) But when you're on your own, you're walking around singing this stuff, this stuff is in your head. What if I did Bible verses? Beyond John 3.16, how would we do? (laughs) Right? Huh? Some of us, some of us, there are some people who are gifted at this stuff that have the Bible, like memorize entire books of the Bible. My brain's not wired that way. That, I'm thankful for Google. I need the Bible verse that says this. There it is. Okay, cool. But we, we know songs. We know movie lyrics. We know we can quote whole movies, some of us. But if I said quote the first chapter of John, you'd be like, in the beginning was the word. <laughs> right? But words definitely stick with us. What about people in your life who have been influences who said things that just stuck? We're spending with the positive right now. I am sure there are people who have said things to you at some point in your life that stuck with you that wasn't as positive. Somebody told you you were fat, or somebody told you you were stupid, or somebody told you you were not good enough, and it stuck. And it became a tape inside of your head that plays over and over and over again and has a self-fulfilling prophecy to it. But so does the positive, hopefully. Somebody told you you were smarter and more talented than you actually are, and you fall on your face all the time. I don't know. But hopefully these words, I mean, these words stick with us. I had several teachers. I could tell you some, I can actually tell you some of those because it has stuck with me. I, I remember eighth, ninth, my ninth grade U.S. history teacher, no, world history teacher, that would have been eighth grade. I don't remember when. I remember the phrase. I remember him telling a story about a war in Europe and about him making, having fun with it and talking about the, this guy got upset and took his troops and went home. Like, you take your toys and go home. Like, it sticks in my head. Uh, I remember my Latin teacher in high school. Yes, I'm a nerd. I took Latin in high school. My Latin teacher every morning, salve, discipuli. Hello, students in Latin. Not that influential, but there you go. I still remember it, Right? I remember some of my seminary professors that would say things like, theology is application. Let that roll around your brain for a while. Or the one I said last week, the the greater the area of your knowledge, the greater the circumference of your ignorance. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know. My church planting professor, it's easier to give birth than to raise the dead. Think about that one when it comes to churches. It's easier to give to plant a brand new church the way it needs to be done than it is to take a dead church and raise it. But I took those classes like 15 years ago, and I just rattled that off. 
This stuff sticks with us. Words have power. Our tongues have power. One of my favorite movie quotes that sticks with me all the time, because whether they realized it when they were writing the movie or not, it's actually in Scripture. With great power comes great responsibility. Any Spider-Man fans in here? Because that's where that comes from. That's Scripture, by the way. I'm not going to tell you where. You've got to go find it for your homework. With great power comes great responsibility. It's a famous line from the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. Original Spider-Man. The early Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. But it's a scriptural principle. And so even movies can teach you God if you realize that's what they're talking about. <laughs> Bruce Almighty. Yeah. Not exactly a pure movie, but it's loaded with scriptural imagery. It's a lot of fun to watch. Um, so we're talking about the power of... We're still walking through James. We're at James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And James spends 12 verses telling you what I just told you in a much better way, scriptural way. Not, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check, with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole body. Or look at ships. Though they, drive, though, though they are so large, it, it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and itself is set on fire by hell. For every species of of beast and bird, of reptile, of sea creature can be tamed. And who has tamed And has been tamed by the human species, but no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or grapevine figs? No, no more than salt water can yield fresh. Okay, how you doing with this sermon so far? (laughs) Right? How's your mouth been this week? Remember I told you James is a very pastoral letter. He's got a concern. He's got a group of people that he's writing to the churches of the diaspora, and he's giving them pastoral counsel. And he's like, hey, the tongue, we should talk about that. And if he starts off in verse 1 and 2 with a warning for somebody like me, (laughs) those of you who aspire to be teachers, be aware, because you'll be graded with a higher level of strictness, a greater level of accountability. Great. Why? Because somebody with a platform has even more power. It's not to say that this passage is only about teachers. Otherwise, y'all can go home and I'll just preach to myself, right? 
It is to say that we should all watch the power of our words and the power of our tongue, but those who have the opportunity to project to multiple people, even more so. If you stand up here and teach lies, you mislead. If you stand up here and teach the untruth, you, you lead people astray. Remember, this is a pastoral letter, so he's writing to all these pastors going, watch what you say if you call yourself a pastor. But just like everybody else, we all have the same warning. We all have the same responsibility. In fact, in verse 2, he says, it is a sign of spiritual maturity, a sign of Christian perfection to be able to control your tongue. He says, if you, a person who is able to control their tongue is perfect. Perfect. But most of us can't do that. <laughs> That's kind of what he says. He's like, a person who's able to control their tongue is perfect. In other words, if you're able to handle your words and the way you talk to others and the way you speak and the way you interact with others, then it's a sign of spiritual maturity or completeness, really. And then he gives three beautiful metaphoric pictures. I mean, like crystal clear. This is one of the things about James and why a lot of people like the book of James is because it is kind of straightforward, in-your-face pastoral teaching. He's like, the tongue is like this. And here's the metaphors, right? Verse, verse 3, he calls the tongue like a horse. Not size, <laughs> but power, right? A horse is an unbridled physical, unbridled horse is a physical, physically powerful body. We have a figure of speech that sounds like this. Wild horses couldn't drag me away. You ever heard that phrase? They're so powerful, they will drag you off to wherever you, they want to go, and you have no choice. They're massive. If you've ever been around a horse, don't walk up behind them. If you've ever been around a horse and how big and how massive and how powerful they are, you sit on a horse and you go, I'm just this big. They're huge. And he says they can be controlled by a little piece of metal in their mouth, a bridle, a bit. And you can tell them exactly where you want them to go and exactly how to get there. If you don't have it, <laughs> you're holding on and it's going where it wants to go. But they're powerful physical bodies. And so in one sense, he's saying that when you control your words, that your tongue has the ability to set the direction of your life individually. That your tongue has the ability to change the direction of your life how many politicians have lost their political career over one misquote, one misspeaking, one wrong thing that they said that gets played over and over and over and over again? Their tongue controls their political destiny like that. How many of us have had a conversation with somebody that we can't talk to anymore because it just went the wrong way and somebody said something they shouldn't have said and now they're history? How many of you have blown a job interview with the wrong answer to a question? That'll set the direction of your life, right? Would you like fries with that? You know what I mean? Like, you've blown it. And so he says, it's like a horse. It's this powerful being. It's you, but it's got the power to shape the course of your life. You might want to control it. You might want to get a handle on it. Horses were used for transportation, agriculture, and war in the time of this writing. Right? They would, plow, they would plow with them. They would go into battle on them, or they would pull chariots. They were strong enough to do that. They were 
That's how you got around a lot faster. <laughs> no interstate, no SUV. If you're going to get somewhere, you got to ride a horse, right? Those, those, those individual bodies, those individual horses have the power to do all of that in that culture. And he said they're controlled by a little piece of metal in their mouth. Insignificant compared to the size of the horse. Second metaphor, second picture. A ship, a boat, a large vessel, right? Controlled by the rudder and a dude at the wheel. And he does mention, and rightly so, that a boat, especially back then, powered by wind and waves, right? It has all these massive external forces acting on this boat that if you just kind of let, let the wheel spin, the wind is going to take it where it wants to go and let it do it probably up onto the rocks, right? Destroy something. Destroy something. What do they use boats for? Transportation. Economics, transporting goods. Warfare on a massive scale compared to a person. And there's all these external powers at play, and yet the person can stand there and control the direction of the entire vessel by doing this because of a rudder, which is small by comparison. A little piece of wood in the back tells us where we're headed. Wind powers it, but the little piece of wood tells us where we're headed. It's driven by wind, these powerful external forces, big ship full of goods or soldiers or whatever it's full of, and it's going wherever this one little guy with a piece of wood says it's going. Now that means there's, there's a metaphor in that too, right? A vessel like this says that your words can have impact beyond your world. If the horse is a metaphor for individual, then the ship is a metaphor for a group of people headed in a certain direction. We're all on the boat. We're all in the same boat together. Probably heard that in the last two years, right? We're all on the COVID ship. We'll get there one way or the other. Somehow we're going to survive all of this. We're all headed this way. There's all these things beyond our control, but together we can just control it with this little piece of wood. Your tongue has the power to affect those external forces to work against external forces, things that are attacking the church, things that are attacking the outs from the outside in, the world itself, we've got the power with our voice and with our tongue to navigate the world around us no matter what comes at us. That's kind of what this is saying. That's a picture of what this is saying. Then there's the third one. <laughs> Fire. He calls the tongue fire. Now, you ever, you ever gone camping and like there's a spark and then there's bigger than flame than a spark? <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was a boy, I think I was a boy, this was a boy scout camp out, I think. And boy scouts like to play with fire. When you're on a camping trip, there's not much else to do. Here's a flame, let's stick a stick in it and see what happens. This is what scouts do. You know, they're supposed to be all responsible, mature and stuff. No, they're just like, let's burn that. You know, let's see what happens. I was on this camping trip, and we had our little stools or chairs by the fire. Nice, a night, like a fall, like it is now. So we had a good fire. We're staying warm by it. And I had my stick. And the purpose of my stick was just to, like, poke the fire and stir it back up. Let the tip burn. Whatever. Poke. <laughs> Watch. You know. And I got up. I laid the base of my stick on my chair. <laughs> it's not what you think, but it's bad. 
I laid the base, the base of my stick on my chair and left the tip near the fire somewhere. Went and did something and came back. And when I came back and sat down, I don't know what the physics were, but it turned my chair into a catapult. I don't, know if the, I don't know if the tip was underneath the lip of the chair or if it was on a log just right, but when I sat down, that stick went back over my head. Landed on one of the tents. <laughs> Burned a hole like this in the tent before we got it kind of like snuffed out or whatever. But if we had just like, watch, that's just, ah, it's just sparks, no big deal. How do forest fires start? Somebody throws a cigarette on the side of the road and acres are gone. That's literally what scripture tells us. He says, the tongue is like a fire that's a spark that will consume an entire forest. I consume part of a tent and I'm responsible with fire. A spark on the side of the road can burn down acres or homes or anything in its path. What does that tell us about the power of our tongue, of our words? That in a church, remember this is a pastoral letter to a group of people in a church. He's warning them that the words you speak can burn down an entire congregation. To talk about somebody, to gossip, to lie or manipulate or misspeak can burn down the whole forest. In fact, if you drop this into the context of the letter of James, he has just said you claim to have faith in verse chapter 2, claim. And he's about to talk about wisdom and speaking with wisdom. And in chapter 4, he's going to talk about divisions within the church caused by, guess what? Speaking. And so he's not just talking about, oh, you can start rumors and cause chaos. In a pastoral letter, he's going, this has the power to gain wisdom or this has the power to burn the whole thing down. How are we going to use that power? The smallest spark can destroy an entire forest. A person, a spark from one person can set on fire. And suddenly you say that, and it's one of those things, it, your words can't be pulled back, right? It's like if I, set a, if I go to the tent and just light the tent, then it's beyond me, Right? If I throw the spark into the woods, you got to have whole rescue teams and fire crews to contain that sucker. It's beyond me. And so the warning around this fire tongue is this. Be careful what you say with your words because sooner or later it's going to be beyond your ability to contain it. Now that's, that destruction, that destruction, that spread could be good or it could be bad. The rumor you mentioned offhand, that comment you mentioned offhand to somebody could destroy an entire group of people and their relationships. Or it could be used in a different way. Look at verse 7. This is actually a verse, this is actually a reference to Genesis 1, and you realize it. This is chapter 3, verse 7. For every species of beast, of bird, of reptile, of sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue. So verse 7, what does that sound like? Every creature under heaven is now yours to have dominion over. You're able to tame it all. You can't tame this. You can't hold this back. 
at least not perfectly. It's also a reference to 126, though, of, chapter, of the James. One of the beauties of James that I've noticed in studying this is there's lots of interconnected loops. He's talking about the tongue, but he's already talked about the tongue. Verse 26 of chapter 1. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongue, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. He drops that in chapter 1 and then comes back in 3 and goes, here's why. Or verse 19. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen and slow to speak. Why? Because you might burn the whole thing down. It's a pastoral letter. It's a reference to James. We've been given dominion. Then verses 9 and 10. Remember, I think I said this the first week. But this is James. This James, the James we think that wrote this book, is Jesus' half-brother. And when you read James closely enough, you can start to hear him quoting his half-brother a few times. Look at verse 9 and 10 again. With it, talking about your tongue, with it, bless the Lord and Father, and with it, you can curse those who are made in the likeness of God. Another Genesis reference there, right? From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this not ought to be so, Luke 6.45, Jesus, the good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure of their heart produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of heart that the mouth speaks. Sounds like he's heard Jesus preach before. Because when he goes into brackish water and springs, and can a good spring produce good water and bad water at the same time? No. What does the tongue, what does the way we use our words reveal about, what's, about us? It reveals what's going on in here. Matthew 7 and 16 and 18. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. What was the end of 11? What was in chapter 3? Or verse 12? 11 and 12 of chapter 3? Does the spring, does the spring pour forth the same from the opening fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives? Or a grapevine figs? Or can salt water yield fresh? He definitely hung out with his brother. <laughs> right? What goes on in here comes out here. And it can direct your life. It can influence others and control forces around you. It can destroy relationships or a group of relationships depending on how we use it and how we handle it, what we do with it. A tongue under control is a marker of spiritual maturity. A tongue under control is a great tool that can set the direction of your life, steward the resources around you, or destroy. And so, of course, he's worried about this as a pastor. Writing to churches, he could easily, very easily be quoting Toby McGuire here. With great power comes great responsibility. With great power, the power of your voice, the power of the tongue, 
guided by what's going on inside of your heart is a great responsibility. Are we using it to build one another up? Are we using it to glorify God? Are we using it to build a congregation of people on mission? Or are we using it to lie, deceive, and build our own kingdom? Are we using it to manipulate others? Are we using it to destroy those around us that we don't like very much? How are we using that power? It's a tool. It's a small part of your body that can do all of that. And that's what he's saying with these metaphors. This controls all of this and all of this and all of that. How are you going to use it? Let's pray. God, I pray that you would empower us to use what you've given us for your glory and to demonstrate your love to others. Help us with our, the meditations of our heart, with the words that we say, with the relationships that we have, with the resources you've given us, with the power you've given us to speak your truth, to speak your grace, to speak love into the lives of those around us with all that power. Help us to do it all for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.